announcement, no, Saturday, November 5th, 10 a.m., ladies, uh, we're going to be making cards for our missionaries. So please join us. Uh, there will be some fellowship and food as well. Be sure to come. And also, um, if you could bring your own scissors. Uh, we have tons of scissors, but they're all kids' scissors. So if you can bring some adult-sized scissors, that would be very helpful. Uh, November 6th. On that Sunday, we are going to be honoring our veterans. We will have only one service. Prayer will be at 10. The service will be at 10.30. And we will have a meal following the service to honor our veterans. November 12th, men, uh, that is your day to come in at 8 a.m. and pray. So come here. We've already seen that prayer works. We're seeing God move in our neighborhood, our community. Let's come and pray. Well, men, come and pray. (laughs) And then just a reminder that the offering for the Tupelo Mansion gift cards will be December 4th. Uh, We're going to attempt to buy $25 gift cards for as many children as possible. So if you just keep that on your radar, and if you want, you can start giving now. Uh, But the deadline will be December 4th. And uh, for the Veterans Day dinner, we um, do have a sign-up sheet for some of the sides. If you guys could just make sure to take a look at that and sign up for something. Thank you, Jesus. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow, many arrows pierce my soul. From without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to Him, He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead. Leads whatever be tied. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height and behold my Savior there leading in the fight with a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low. Guiding me, I can see as I onward go. Oh, I want to see Him Look upon his face, there to sing for.
Jesus, 
broken hearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who loves a sinner as the Father loves his own? Grieving over those who spurn his gentle plea. Always ready to forgive them and to make forgiveness known. Who is this forever calling you and me? It is Jesus. Jesus, sad one, weep no more. He will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Oh, it is Jesus, Jesus, sad one, weep no more. He will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can know you as a healer, know you as a Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains 
star lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was spilt in our behalf. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The reason any of us are here today is because of that. Because of that one act on the cross of Calvary. That's why we have any hope at all. It's because Jesus sacrificed himself. He came, wrapped himself in flesh for the purpose of dying on a cross in your behalf. In my behalf. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. I don't care what it is I'm going through. I don't care what, what disappointments or setbacks or heartaches I have to experience. Folks, He died for me. He loved me that much. And He loves me enough to keep working on me. Praise God. Anything else I have to go through, anything else I have to experience is that's that's tertiary. That's I'm gonna go through that and worse anyway. Worse because if I'm out there, I don't have Jesus Christ. I don't have a hope. I don't have any help. But at least when I go through it serving Jesus Christ, I have a God walking through it with me. Praise God. Praise God. We serve an awesome God, and He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of our service. Amen. Ezekiel 33, verses 10 through 11. That's where we find our Scripture text today. It's good to see everyone today. God bless all of you. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 10 through 11 says this, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, 
and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? We're going to preach, teach, speak for a few minutes on this topic, as the Lord wills. Disappointment. Disappointment. Amen. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us in our service today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We have and we will continue to worship and to praise You and to give glory and honor unto the Most High God, because only You are worthy. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You assume control of this service. We are here for Your purposes and for Your reasons and because You are here. We are here to receive of You. We are here to to learn and to to grow and to submit ourselves to to Your good pleasure. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that that's all that would take place here is Your pleasure and that Your name would be glorified in our midst today. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Disappointment. We all know what that word is. We've all experienced it, I'm sure. Uh, Even as small children, we experience it. When mom gives me broccoli and I wanted chocolate cake, I'm disappointed. Amen. When I wanted a hamburger, You know, I am really trying to get to the place where I, I am going to try liver. I know Bishop Parker, he's the master at, at onion or onions, liver, liver and onions. I'm going to hit you up at some point because I, I need to like liver. It's so, it's so nutritious, folks. There are so many nutrients in, in liver. And I, I, I got to choke it down because I want, I want, I want the nutrients. Anyway, anyway, who brought liver up? No, I didn't, I didn't bring it up. Someone else did. Disappointment. I looked up the, uh, the definition of disappointment, and I got this from the American Heritage Dictionary. The act of disappointing. The condition or feeling of being disappointed. One that disappoints. If I may... Be so bold, that was a very disappointing definition. So I tried good old Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia. It told me this. The feeling of dissatisfaction that follows the failure of expectations or hopes to manifest. Similar to regret, it differs in that a person who feels regret focuses primarily on the personal choices that contributed to a poor outcome, while a person feeling disappointment focuses on the outcome itself. I think that's a much less disappointing definition. Amen. As I am wont to do, I tried to find some quotes or a poem or a story or something that would relate to this. I did find a few quotes that I thought were apt. Alexander Pope says this, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. I suppose that's, he's not wrong. I wouldn't go that route. 
William Blake says it's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. Friends can disappoint a whole lot more than an enemy can. Jim Rohn says we must all suffer one of two things. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret or disappointment. James E. Faust says the depth of the love of parents for their children cannot be measured. It is like no other relationship. It exceeds concern for life itself. The love of a parent for a child is continuous and transcends heartbreak and disappointment. Some of us in this room have lived long enough to know the truth of that statement. Charles Stanley says this. This will be the last one. Disappointment is inevitable. But to become discouraged, there is a choice that I make. God would never discourage me. He would always point me to Himself to trust Him. Therefore, my discouragement is from Satan. As you go through the emotions that we have, hostility is not from God. Bitterness, unforgiveness, all of these are attacks from Satan. I would add uh, that if that's the route we choose to go, that's a choice that we've made to succumb to bitterness or unforgiveness. Now, I, I would ask if you've ever experienced a disappointment in your life. I think I know the answer to that. We've certainly been disappointed in others. Have we been disappointed in ourselves? Absolutely we have. Do you remember a time where you were very disappointed in someone or, or in yourself? I, uh, every once in a while, I see that my double chin starts popping out a little bit and my gut distends a little bit in the wrong direction. And so I get it in my mind, I'm going to go on a diet of some kind. I'm going to take care of this thing because me personally, I don't like it. I don't do it for anyone else. I do it for me. I do it because I don't like that. I don't like how I feel when I'm like that. So I go on a diet. And for me, you know, most people, they go on, uh, they go on diets to lose 20 pounds, 50 pounds, you know, stuff like that. And my wife hates me for this. But all I really have to do is think of going on a diet and the weight starts coming off. All I got to do is just, Think about cutting back or, or just consider, you know, well, what am I going to do about it? And it just starts coming off. I, I've never had, yeah, I'm blessed that way. I've never had a problem with that. But most of the time, the reason I'll go on a diet is not for that reason at all, but to, to feel better, to have more energy, more, more mental clarity. Because I like to read and I like to study and, and, when I'm in a fog, it's really hard to concentrate, and I start, oh, where was I? Who's there? And it, it's hard for me to, to, to keep going. So that's the reason I want to go on, on these, you know, whatever diet it is. Um, and I'm continually frustrated and disappointed because the only thing I ever seem to get is weight coming off. And I know a lot of you, that's... You're insane. That's the reason you go on a diet. But I want the other benefits. And I can never seem to get those. 
All I get is the weight coming off. And my wife, she gets everything else that I want. I get everything else she wants. And so, anyway, I'm continually disappointed in those results. There was a period of time in my life I was studying and for a little bit I was an options trader. Now, I don't know if you know what stock options are, um, but it doesn't matter for these purposes. Um, I was I was trading in the in the options market. I was trading forex market. I was trading you know stuff like that, and I was I was doing pretty good at it. <clears throat> it didn't work out. Story for another time. But uh, the reason I liked it, the reason I liked it, one, it was intellectually stimulating. I mean, it was it was kind of a game against other people, is is how I saw it, and so so that was kind of fun for me, but. The main reason I did it was because all I had to depend on was me. That's all I had to look to to make money at this is me. I wasn't depending on someone else to come through in a, in a clinch. Uh, I didn't have to worry about someone above me making decisions that would adversely affect my ability to make money. It was just me. And if something went wrong, I knew where to look. Me. And that was kind of nice. No one could disappoint me. Have you ever been at a job where the boss just didn't know what he was doing? At least that's what you thought. I think we all have. Yeah, sometimes that is true. Not all the time. Sometimes it just looks like that because they have a bigger picture than we do down a little bit lower. But it can be disappointing sometimes when you're expecting that 10% raise and all I got was a 5.5% raise. Sir, ma'am, that doesn't even cover inflation today. Um, Can we renegotiate? It's disappointing. Sometimes the decision or the disappointment is because something I did. I got the 5.5% raise because, well, I didn't meet expectations here, here, and here. I called in a few too many days. So he wanted to give me 10%, but all he could give me was 5.5%. Now, now I'm disappointed in me. But what do you do, though? When every one of your choices is perfect, every decision is right, every action is spot on, and still, the results are disappointing. Well, I've never been in that position, but God has. So in other words, what does God do when He becomes disappointed? If we look at our Scripture text, We see that the Lord is, once again, pleading, arguing, speaking with His people. And I can almost hear the the slightest tinge of disappointment in His voice. Why? Why won't you turn from your evil ways? Why will ye die? 
Why would you do this? Help me understand. Have you ever spoke to anyone like that? Kids maybe? I remember being a small child and I remember my mom and dad talking to me that way. And for the life of me, I was dumbfounded. I was just staring at him incredulous. Why would you ask me this stuff? Why can't you understand this, this situation? Thinking, I w- I'd never say that to my parents, but I was thinking it. Why are you asking these things? Don't you understand? And they were looking at me. Why are you making these weird, stupid decisions? Why won't you just do right? I thought I was doing right. I'm doing everything right here. Why are you yelling at me? But no, I wasn't. And it wasn't until later, sometimes much later, I look back on some of those (laughs) conversations and uh, realize that, oh, that's why. Oh, okay, yeah, that's why. Well, I feel like now, sometimes God is speaking to me that way. Why are you doing that? Why won't you do what I asked you to do? Why won't you just do this the right way? And I'm looking back at God and saying, What do you mean? I am doing this the right way. I am living according to your word. But I'm not. God pleads with His people through the prophet to do the right thing and live. Why are you going to keep living the way you want to live and end up being destroyed because of it? Why would you do that? You know what's going to happen. You know what happens when you serve me. You know what happens when you disobey me. Why would you choose disobedience? Why would you do that? Maybe they're just depending on a continuous stream of mercy. Maybe that's what's in the back of people's minds. He is a merciful God. He does forgive. Thank God for that. But the mercy doesn't last forever, folks. At some point, He leaves us to our own devices. At some point, He's going to honor your free choice to do what you want to do. And your choice to suffer the consequences thereof. It is not His desire to punish the wicked. It is His desire to bless the just. To bless those who are obedient and submitted to Him. That's what God delights in. That's what God wants to do. It's never been in His heart to punish the wicked. But as He is a just and a righteous God, He has to. He has to be true to His character. That's why Jesus died on a cross, by the way. So that His justice and His holiness and His righteousness could be satisfied. And His mercy. But if you will not allow Jesus Christ to pay the price for you, you will pay the price yourself. Someone's going to pay, folks. 
it's going to be paid in full. And it's never been God's desire for that to happen. God becomes disappointed in the poor choices of His people. Ezekiel 33, 1-6. This is just a few verses before our Scripture text. It says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of this, man, of this land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He was warned. He understood the consequences of inaction. It continues. Verse 6, But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So God sends people to us to warn us if He's disappointed in our poor choices. Aren't you thankful for that? I am. I don't want to be wrong. I know from time to time I am wrong. And as one person said, you don't know what you don't know. Thank God God will send someone my way to let me know what I don't know. I didn't know I was wrong. Now I do. Now I can act on it. Now I can make a better choice. Or I can continue the way I was going and disregard the warning. God will warn His people if He's disappointed in their choices. And the point I want to make in bringing this Scripture up is not to talk about the watchman, but to talk about our responsibility after the watchman sounds the alarm. When the watchman sounds the alarm, folks, the responsibility, the impetus now lies with us to take action, to make a choice, to do something with that. It's in our purview now. Like the options trader. We're not waiting on anyone else now. The responsibility is all mine. I have the choice to make. There are many examples of this in Scripture. Noah preaching to his generation. He preached a long time to that generation and got his family saved. That's it. They heard the warning. They heard the cries of this preacher telling them that judgment was coming. But I suppose, after the months of hearing it, the years of hearing it, the decades of hearing it, is this thing ever going to conclude? How long are you going to be preaching this before you realize it just ain't true? Well, it wasn't true, of course, until it was true. At some point, the mercy ran out, didn't it? At some point, judgment came. The warning that this preacher was preaching for 120 plus odd years is now here. Someday became today. Moses 
warned his warned the people of Israel many times. Many times. Joshua and Caleb tried to still the people. Don't do this. Don't rebel against God. Do the right thing. God is with us. We can do this. Just don't rebel against the commandment of the Lord. They rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and judgment came. They tried to take matters into their own hands again. Going off without God. And they got beat back. Nathan the prophet went to King David. I don't know how long King David was in this state, but it was more than a few days. He had murdered Uriah the Hittite, and he had committed adultery with his wife. And he was perfectly at ease in Zion. Didn't feel a thing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm the king. Bless God. Or whatever his his thought process was. Until Nathan came. Told him a story. Got him all fired up. That was the story to tell David too. Talking about sheep. Got him all upset. This man's going to die. You're the man. You're the one that did this. And it broke him. He had a choice to make at that point. He made the right one. He humbled himself before God and he repented of the sin that he committed. Yeah, he was the king. But he was still answerable to a holy and a righteous God. Did Jesus warn the people? Yeah, he did. Luke 13, verses 31 through 35 says this. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Then he turns to Jerusalem. And again, I can hear the frustration and disappointment in his voice. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And he would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. God had been sending watchmen to his people from the very beginning of time, warning them of judgment, warning them of of coming doom because of their their disobedience and their rebellion against God. They knew the law. They knew what was right and what was wrong. They had a very good understanding of everything that God required of them. And they chose to disobey. They chose to walk away from that. God would continue to send prophets to exhort them to live righteously so that they can just live peaceably and enjoy the blessings of God that I want to give. And they would not. 
Sometimes we see examples in Scripture where someone does heed God's warning and they do escape judgment. And God is well pleased with it. We see God sending someone to Nineveh. The man of God was the one that was disobedient. Didn't want to go. Why didn't he want to go? Because I'm afraid if I tell him, you're going to forgive him. Can you imagine that? I know you, God. If they decide to obey, you're going to forgive them. Yeah, he's right. That is how God is. And he did. They did heed the warning. I can imagine it was a very heartfelt and passionate warning. This Jonah, feeling the burden of God. I can't imagine it was a very passionate plea at all. Nevertheless, they heeded it. They took it seriously. And they repented in sackcloth and ashes. Even the king humbled himself and fasted. And God saw the repentance. He was pleased with it. Again, Noah, Joshua, and Caleb. So many more times we see in Scripture that people do not heed the warnings that God is trying to give. Jeremiah warning the people to submit to the king of Babylon and live. All of these other prophets prophesying the exact opposite. What's a guy to do? Who are you supposed to listen to? I got this group over here saying, no, God's, we're, God's good with us. God is for us. He's going to give us victory. You got this one crazy guy over here saying, no, 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 submit, submit to this heathen king. And God will bless you for it. Now, to speak freely, at first blush, that sounds a little weird to me too. That'd be a little hard for me to choke down. But that's what God said. God says to do something, folks. You don't question it. You do it. If it is God. Once you know it's God, folks, just do it. The Apostle Peter had kind of a struggle like that, didn't he? Acts chapter 10. God had to work on him a little bit, some of his prejudices. God was going to do a new thing here pretty soon. He's going to fill a Gentile with the Holy Ghost. And Peter wasn't quite ready for it yet. So God had to deal with him. Can God still do a new thing in our midst? What's going to be our response if he does that? If he does something that, well, we're... We just I've, I've, I've never seen it done like that before. I, I don't see where that's ever taken place before. We've got to understand that you know, I've, I've no problem with programs and, and tradition and all of that stuff. We're in a church building. I think that works right now in our culture. I think it does. Um, people expect that people are going to meet in a church building and have service. That's just, that's just how our culture has been brought up since its foundation. Is it 
Scriptural? No. I don't see it anywhere in Scripture. I don't think it's unscriptural. I think it works just fine until it doesn't. And then we'll figure something else out. And then we'll figure something else out. The principles remain the same. The doctrine will always remain the same. The methods may change. God can do whatever He wants to do. If He wants to do something else, we're going to let God do what He wants to do. And God's going to bless that. He wants to fill a Gentile with the Holy Ghost? He could absolutely fill a Gentile with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you guys know of a Gentile that's been filled with the Holy Ghost. I do. And I thank God every day for it. Praise God. Matthew 21, 33-40 says this, Hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. Last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They'll reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? God sends people our way. God sends people to the church to sound an alarm, to voice a warning, to tell us of judgment to come, to tell us that we're not doing right by Him, to tell us that we can do things better, we can do things different, whatever the message might be. But folks, this is God's church. It's not ours. This is God's building. It's not ours. This is God's temple. It's not mine. And He can do just whatever He wants to do with this, this, this. It's His. So when He tells us to do something, we better be about it. Again, this is a kingdom. It's not a democracy. Constitutional Federated Republic. I keep saying that because it sounds awesome. Democracy is dangerous. Anyway, another lesson, another time. But when he tells us to do something, folks, we need to do it. And if we don't do it, what is God to do? He's to send someone and warn us. I told you to do this. Why aren't you doing it? Folks, God's mercy will not last forever. God will not remain forever disappointed. At some point, the warnings and the exhortations will cease. And at some point, judgment will arrive. The Lord will take no pleasure in it, but He will execute upon all the ungodly His righteous judgment. He will. Because they would not heed the warning. They chose to do what they wanted to do. 
Ezekiel 30, 30-32 says this. 33, 30-32. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people are still talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, everyone to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they sow much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. Folks, this right here is a very dangerous place to be. I don't know how else to say it. When you can hear and you can understand the Word of the Lord and choose not to do it. That's a very precarious place to be. God will not always strive with man. And He will not remain forever disappointed. God has told us as a church to do certain things. He's told you as individuals to do certain things. This is a kingdom. He is a king. We don't have any recourse, folks. If we are going to acknowledge the authority of Scripture, acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ, then we have to obey. Period. Now you can choose to to not acknowledge His authority and go do whatever you want to do. That's an option too. In the strongest possible terms, I urge you to not choose that, but to choose to acknowledge the authority of God. But you cannot choose to acknowledge the authority of God and then go and do what you want to do. It just doesn't work like that. Let me tell you the reality of that situation. You are choosing to not acknowledge the authority of God. Oh, no, no, no. yes I am. With their lips they show much love. But their hearts are after their covetousness. Folks, we can say stuff all day long. Maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't. I'll tell you what does mean something. It's your actions. That's what means something. parable that Jesus told of the the two sons. One told his dad yes, but didn't do it. The other one said no, but he went and did it. Which one of these twain did the will of his father? The one that said no, but went and did it. But he told him no. But he, he did yes. That's the important thing, folks. I would encourage you to to say and do yes. But, what do our actions show? What do our choices demonstrate? Someone told me one time, maybe I read it, I don't know, but I can tell a lot about a person, I can tell where someone's heart is by looking at their day planner and their checkbook. That will tell me where the person's heart is. 
How do they spend their time? Where do they spend their money? I can talk to them and I can get their opinion on everything. But let me see what they're doing. That's where I'm going to find truth. That's where I'm going to find truth in my own life. Luke 13, 24 through 30 says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. And shall ye begin to say, We've eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me. All ye workers of iniquity, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. Now I know that Jesus, uh, in the strictest terms, is referring here to the nation of Israel. But I don't think I do the the Bible an injustice by thinking that it applies to us as well. Let me translate one verse here. The Rob Standard Version. Verse 26, Then shall you begin to say, We've eaten and drunken in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. In modern vernacular... I come to church. I enjoy the presence of God. I hear the preaching. What do you mean you don't know me? I'm glad that all of us are here today. I'm glad that all of us are in church, gathered together in the presence of God. I'm glad that that we can all enjoy the presence of God and we can all come together and receive the preaching and the teaching of the Word. I'm not saying that's bad. We've got to do that. That's important. That's necessary. Keep doing that. But folks, that's not all there is to living for God. That's not all there is to having a relationship with God. If that's all you got, you heard what Jesus just said. I don't know who you are. I don't have a relationship with you. We've never interacted. I don't have a covenant with you. Pay attention to that for a moment. We need to keep coming together. We need to hear the preaching and the teaching. We need to receive that. We need to do something with it. We need to enjoy the presence of God. But we need to enjoy the presence of God at home. We need to have a prayer life at home. I need to be receiving the Word of God at home every day. This is my daily bread. A daily relationship with God. If, if we get to the point where I feel like, well, I, I just, I just I, I kind of need a break from this. I just, I've been doing so much church lately, I, just, I, I need a few days. Just take off from prayer, from the Word, and just, just relax. I've heard preachers tell me that. 
And it confused me then, but it infuriates me now. There is no way a growing child of God should ever feel like I need a vacation from God. There are all kinds of things we do need vacations from, but not God, not His Word. That demonstrates something to me. That, that checks something right in here. If I'm feeling like that, i got some work to do on my relationship right now. I need a relationship with God. I need an ongoing personal relationship with Him. I am in a covenant relationship with Him. And the more I grow in that, the closer I become to God. The more I want to be close to God. The more I want to have a relationship with Him. This this is the beginning. This is, this is what everybody should be doing. This is the starting place. But we need to move on from here. Keep this going. But we need to build on that. We need more of that. There are things that we need to be doing as children of God. Enjoying the presence of God, receiving the Word of the Lord is good. But if that's all we're doing, folks, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That seems pretty harsh, but those aren't my words. We need to receive. We need to receive from the Lord. But we also need to give. We need to give. Now, I am speaking to a sacrificially giving church. I thank God regularly. Not every day for that specific thing. But regularly. That this is such a sacrificing and giving church. You are. I'm not just saying that. You really are. But the things that God is asking us to give, the things that God is asking us to do, may not necessarily always be financial. Time has become such a precious commodity in our culture. Again, most people would rather have a day off than a $100 gift check. Because that time means more. Sometimes that's exactly what God is asking us to give, is time. Can God trust you with His time to ask some of it back if He needs it? As we move forward, church, As we move on into next year, God is going to be challenging all of us, me and you. He is going to be asking us things, Brother DeMuth talked about it, that are uncomfortable for us. 
He's going to be asking us to give things that we haven't given before. Sending us into areas that we're unfamiliar with. Can God trust us to do that? Can we trust God to say yes? When God sends someone our way, folks, when God speaks to us, whatever avenue He decides to use, we need to be listening, we need to be paying attention, we need to understand what the directive is, and then we need to be about our Father's business and doing it. Doing it. It's such a simple word. Two letters, one syllable, do. But it can cause us a world of grief, can't it? When we do not. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all come to the front for just a few minutes. I believe the Lord is speaking to us today. If you will receive it. I've told you guys before, I was, I was four years in the army and couldn't wait to get out. The reason I couldn't wait to get out is because I had a serious problem with authority. I knew better than everyone else did, and I was going to go do something where people would acknowledge that. Guess how that worked out for me? Yeah, as you might expect. I had everything figured out. I knew what was best. I would never ask counsel of anyone because why? I got it figured out. Well, when God comes to us, I'm going to reiterate this. It's a kingdom. God is a king. He has all authority. We don't, again, if we're going to stay in covenant relationship with Him, if we're going to honor the terms of the covenant, we don't have the authority to do anything about that. We don't. We have the authority to obey. Choose to obey. That's, that's what we can do. And when we do, folks, God is waiting. God is waiting for us to obey. Because then guess what He gets to do? He gets to bless. 
And He gets to promote. And He gets to multiply. But when I decide i got things figured out, I'm going to do it this way instead. I don't think we need to be doing this right now. I think we should be doing that. Now God is disappointed. And now God can't bless me like He wants to. He can't move me into other areas like He wants to. He's got to keep working with me right here. So please, please understand what I'm trying to say. If we're going to do things right, if we're going to do things the way God wants us to, then we don't have an option. We don't have a choice. We determine what thus saith the Lord, what is His will, what is His direction, and then we're, we, we get busy going that way. We start doing that. Does that make sense? God's desire is to bless. It is. But He will not bless disobedience. And however way you slice it, however you define it, disobedience is not doing what God told us to do. There's not layers or levels of disobedience and obedience. There are not hierarchies of pleasing God and displeasing God. God has no hierarchy of sin. Little white lie, great big sin. It's all sin. I want to see the blessings of the Lord on this congregation. I want to see God use each and every one of you mightily and powerfully and wondrously, miraculously. I do. But as much as I do, God wants it so much more. I pray you want to see that. I pray you want to see God use you wondrously and miraculously. But it's got to be done His way according to His plan, His directives. Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak with us. To give us direction. To give us directives. If you've received direction, ask Him to help you be about that. If you've told God no in any area, ask God to forgive you and make up your mind to start walking in that direction. Amen. God is still a God of mercy, folks. The door is still open. If we fail to test, if we fail to obey God in the past, we can choose to do so here, now, today. Just one choice away, folks. That's it. Just one word. Do. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, that it is Your desire to use Your people powerfully and mightily and wondrously in this economy, in Your behalf, to grow the kingdom of God, to advance Your edicts, Your principles, Your precepts, Your judgments, Your commandments, Your testimonies in this world, this fearful, fallen place. Oh, hallelujah. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would use each and every one of us here We are Your people, Thou Most High God, and we submit ourselves to You today. We understand, Lord Jesus, that obedience is necessary in a kingdom. We're okay with that. But help us to hear clearly the voice of the Lord. Help us to hear distinctly the command that You would give us as individuals, as families, as a church body. Hallelujah, Jesus. There are many voices in this world. I pray, Lord, that You would give us clarity, that we would hear a clear and a distinct sound from You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, that we could be about our Father's business, that we could be moving forward in Your plan. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us as individuals to make a personal choice to submit ourselves wholly and completely to You. To make a personal choice, Lord Jesus, to do whatever it is You ask us to do. To go wherever it is You ask us to go. To become whoever it is You need us to become. Hallelujah, Jesus. To give what we need to give. To receive what we need to receive. To do what we need to do. According to the will and plan of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And as we decide to do so, Lord, as we tell You yes in these things, Lord, that You would begin to bless and that You would begin to prosper these individuals who have committed their lives to You. That You would begin to promote them in Your kingdom, advance them in the plan that You have declared unto them. Hallelujah, Jesus! And begin to use them mightily and wondrously and gloriously in Your service. Hallelujah, Jesus! To advance the kingdom of God in this economy. Thank You, Jesus, for the opportunity to serve You. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that it is Your desire to use Your people in this capacity, in this way. But we've got to tell You, yes, You're a gentleman. You're not going to force Yourself upon us. The life, the wondrous, glorious life that You have chosen for each of us is ours to have if we will but obey. The promised land was available to the children of Israel if they would have just said yes they would have just obeyed You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to say yes to You today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Continue to speak with Your people. Continue to lead us and guide us into all truth. Continue to lead us and guide us, I pray, into Your perfect will. Hallelujah, Jesus. Order our steps aright. In Jesus' name I pray. Let Your name be glorified in us and through us. Let Your perfect will be accomplished in us, I pray. It is our desire, Lord Jesus, to serve You. To serve You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. To give ourselves unabashedly, without reservation, with holding nothing back. 
to the plan of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace and for your long-suffering patience to usward. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to move forward in you today, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Saying yes to God is your best life, folks. It is your best life. Whatever it is you think you have figured out, whatever it is you think you know, if it disregards the will of God, I'm I'm warning you. I'm not threatening you. I'm warning you. Don't go that way. Go the way God has designed for you to go. That is your best life. That is a life of of joy and fulfillment and, and, and every good thing. Any other path is going to be disappointment, heartbreak, sorrow. It's not going to get you where you think you want to go. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes now and say yes to Him every day hereafter. We're His people. Not by fiat. Although that would be good enough for me. He can simply declare me His because He created me. But He did more than that. He purchased me. He purchased me. I'm His. I'm not mine. I am bought with a price. I think sometimes we struggle with that concept. The freedoms that we enjoy in the United States, and I thank God for every one of them, I do. I love this country. I love it. But the kingdom of God is not that. It is a kingdom. And every bit of authority lies in one person and one person only. And He does as He sees fit in His kingdom. And if we trust Him, and if we love Him, we will have no problem submitting to Him. We will delight to do so. We will be excited to do so. Amen. Amen. Let's pray in closing. Jesus, You're an awesome God. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You for the word that we have received in these services. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would use us mightily moving forward as we say yes to You, as we submit ourselves to You simply. It's not hard. It's not complex. Just a simple yes. And then begin to do what You tell us to do. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I want Your very best life. I want that. I want the life that You've chosen for me. I want everything that You desire to give to me. No more, no less. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I am thankful for it. 
and I worship and I praise you for it. And I laud and I magnify you for it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless your people today. Bless the people of God. And exceeding good and precious people are they. I pray that your hand would be upon them for good. Bless them in every conceivable way. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us in our next service according to your will. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you so very much for your kind attention. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.